Hey Grace family and happy Father's Day. Welcome to those of you who are in your homes or for many of you who are beginning to gather in other people's homes throughout Orange County in Grace Home Gatherings. Uh, we're so glad you are here. And to any youth who are a part of a Grace Home Gathering, I'm so stoked that you are. And my encouragement to you is to listen, to participate, and to engage. Your presence and your participation matters. And we're so excited that you have this opportunity to engage with more people in our community besides just us as youth staff and your family. And we hope that this is a super rich and awesome opportunity for you to do that. Now, today is Father's Day, and this is a day when we celebrate and acknowledge our fathers and the unique role that fathers play in our lives and honor them in that. Now, for some of us, this day can be challenging for many different reasons, whether it be our own relationships with our fathers or fathers' relationships with children or even a recent loss of a father. And we want to acknowledge you in that as well. But with that, I'm going to pray for us. And as we do that, I encourage you that if you have your father or a father in the room and you're comfortable to lay a hand on them as I pray a blessing over them this morning. Father God, you are a good father. Thank you that we can relate to you in this way. Thank you for your goodness, your provision, and your faithfulness to us. Thank you for our earthly fathers. Would you bless them with your love and your mercy? Would you give them confidence and strength to face the many challenges of fatherhood? Would the fathers in our community be empowered to serve and lead and love their families the way that you love us? Amen. Hey, let's take the time now to sing. Sing the way Jesus sang with his disciples. Rejoice because we're told to rejoice no matter our circumstance. Unite in our beliefs together and with the hope that through our praise, God's love will renew us in the places where we're even blind to the need of renewal. As followers of Jesus, we're not promised ease, we're not promised comfort. In fact, in many ways, we're promised the exact opposite. So let's sing now and allow ourselves to be shaped into God's vessels of mercy. My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone. But in the costly wounds of love at the cross, my worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that
Good morning, everyone. You know, I've been thinking a lot about gratitude the past couple days, and, and I've been reminded that as Christians, we don't have to wonder if we're blessed by God. We are in abundant ways. And as we look to the scriptures, we find that God seems to want to make it clear to us that He intends to be personally involved in our lives as the source of all the goodness that we can enjoy. And this seems to me to be an especially important truth to keep in mind these days. With all that is stirring around us, the hard, the ugly, the discord, gratitude may be something that doesn't immediately come to mind in this moment. But it should, even in these times, and maybe especially in these times. There was a backlash a few years back, you might remember, on social media regarding the hashtag blessed, which seemed to some to be employed to brag about lavish vacations or impressive accomplishments under the guise of humility. But a more robust understanding of being blessed should also encompass the fact that we are continually under the blessing of God in all circumstances, not just when we're grateful for the things we have or the health we enjoy or maybe the people we love, but even in the difficulties even in the struggle, and even in the pain. And God is not just the source of our blessing, He is also the substance of our blessing. Experiencing God's blessing is not merely getting good things from God. The essence of blessing is getting more of God. It is knowing we have the affection and approval of our Heavenly Father. To be blessed is to be confident that God is not and will never ignore or abandon us. And since more of God himself is the substance of our blessing, whenever we ask him to bless us, we're essentially inviting him to pervade all of the ordinary aspects of our lives. When we ask him to bless our plans, we're inviting him into them, inviting him even to disrupt or change them, believing that his plans are always better than ours. In asking for his blessing, we're confessing that the outcome of our lives 
will not be the sum of our grand plans or accomplishments. Instead, anything and everything good that emerges from our lives will be a result of His sovereign presence in it. If we really believe that God is the substance of our blessing, we won't regard blessing as simply circumstances that seem good to us. Instead, when times are hard, even when the worst things we can imagine are happening to us, we'll be able to say that we're blessed. And we can call ourselves blessed and mean it because we're experiencing the presence of God with us and in us in ways we maybe were barely aware of when life seemed easy. Because we know the Lord is keeping us and being gracious to us. And our sense of security and peace won't be so tied to our circumstances. In our desperation for Him during difficult times, we'll find ourselves incredibly blessed by an increased sense of His companionship and comfort. And finally, another beautiful byproduct of having a heart of gratitude is it binds us together. Think of the rich blessings we share as brothers and sisters in Christ. Our shared bond, our shared hope, our shared future. When we move through our lives knowing we are blessed, we can't help but be grateful. And we can't help but be drawn towards each other in that shared experience. So let's just take a moment of silence right now, wherever you are, and consider the abundant blessings of God on your life and give Him thanks for it all. And I'll close that time in prayer. Father, we come to you with grateful hearts, not just because you give us the things we want sometimes, but because you give us the things we need all the time. Whatever we may be facing, may we see your gracious and loving hand in it. You are the great alchemist, able to turn all the circumstances we face into gold. Because we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to your purpose. What an incredible truth that is. Thank you for your transcendent blessing in our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below.
Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. So as we consider our One Another series, we'll be in the passage of 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, and looking at uh, how we're called to hospitality. So here's 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So this summer, we are exploring what it means to be the church together. And we're doing that by looking at the one another's of Scripture, places in the Bible where the authors encourage us to engage one another in certain ways. And today's one another is found in verse 9, where Peter says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. First, let me make a, a comment about verse 7 and 8 because I, I feel like these two verses are so fitting to the time we're living in right now. Verse 7, Peter begins, the end of all things is near. And I think for some of us, it feels that way, doesn't it? It feels like things are, are unhinged. The end feels near. And I love Peter's advice in light, in light of that. He says, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And what better advice to God's people right now, where things just feel upended, than this call towards clarity of mind, self-control, and to be prayers in this time. And then in verse 8, Peter gives, I think, the central command of this passage, which is, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. And we're living in a time where there's a multitude of mistakes and sins that, that all of us are sharing in and and we're just trying to figure out life right now. And yet Peter says, love is the thing that we need that can cover that, that can stand the test through all of those ways. And so then he moves to the verse we're going to focus on, this idea of hospitality, which I think is really a, a particular expression of love. And so what I want to do this morning is just first share the basic idea behind hospitality and the biblical foundation of hospitality. And then I wanna invite us into three concrete ways we can practice hospitality, particularly in this time that we're living right now. So first, hospitality, I would say at its core, the idea of hospitality is simply the idea of making room for one another, making room. And the literal word, the Greek word, literally means love of stranger. 
And so most often in Scripture, when Scripture calls us to hospitality, it's inviting us to make room for the stranger or the sojourner in our midst. But in this passage today, Peter's inviting us to have that same posture towards one another, fellow believers in in the body. But whether stranger or one another, the idea, I think, is making room for each other. And the easiest way for me to think of this is just to think about physical hospitality. Like when you invite someone over to your home for dinner, think about what you do when you do that. You, you make room in your home, right? You probably clean the house, you vacuum, you sweep the floor, you wipe down the table, and then you set the table and you make a particular space for a meal. You, you create a space in your home to receive another person or to receive a group of people. And you set aside some unhurried time together. And, and hopefully you create a space of warmth and of safety and of welcome and of fellowship so that you allow them to come into your space in a welcoming way. And I think relational hospitality is really just doing what you do in your home when you invite someone over and just doing that in your heart. So hospitality in general is is making room in our hearts for one another, that as we encounter others, we create this space within ourselves that allows them to engage us. We create what Henry Nouwen calls a free and fearless space. And I love that description. I like the idea of trying to create a space within ourselves that feels free to others, that allows them to engage us without fear, that allows them to be themselves and to interact with us in a free and fearless way. And so we take them in and we receive them and we listen and we care for them. That is what hospitality is all about at its essence. And biblically speaking, I think there's a picture that should drive us in how we think about hospitality. And the picture is to think about our God who is both the ultimate host in an act of hospitality and the ultimate guest in hospitality. And let me just describe what I mean there. First is to consider God as the ultimate host. And really, when we think about our own story spiritually, our story spiritually is all about the hospitality of our God, right? I mean, spiritually, we... We were alienated from God. We were outsiders. We were spiritual wanderers. And then at some point through Jesus Christ, God welcomes us in, reconciles us, and welcomes us into fellowship with him. We believe in this Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who have this fellowship together. And through the gospel, we are invited into the very life of God. We get to make our home in the very life of God. And we experience the fullness of his grace, his mercy, his generosity, and his hospitality to us. That's what the gospel is all about. And so when we offer hospitality to others, we do so biblically from this place of fullness of all that we've received in God's hospitality to us. And we do so hoping that Our small act of hospitality to them hopefully is just a glimpse. It's a taste of God's hospitality to them, of God's welcoming heart to them. So first, you know, hospitality is rooted in the gospel of God as the ultimate host who has given us his hospitality. But then secondly, and this may seem a little bit more surprising, it's also rooted in the idea of seeing God as the ultimate guest. 
in hospitality. And here's what I mean by that. In various places in Scripture, Jesus so clearly identifies with his people, specifically his people when they are in times of need, when they're suffering, when they're being persecuted. And I'm thinking of passages like Matthew 25. Let me read to you from parts of Matthew 25. Jesus says this. This is the sheep and the goats passage. He says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Listen to the hospitality language here. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. And then he goes on to say, here's how, because I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. So Jesus so identifies with his people that he says, when you offer hospitality to them, you're actually offering hospitality to me. And so for us to see Jesus in our guest and to to see our hospitality as a way of serving our Lord, that totally changes the dynamic of hospitality. Now, we're not offering hospitality from a place of superiority, like, hey, I'm helping you out and I'm throwing you a bone or, you know, I'm blessing you. But it's like, no, this is a this is a blessing for me, for, for me to have the opportunity to serve my Lord in this way. That is humbling. That is a privilege. That's a wonderful thing. So, so there's, there's not an unequal dynamic in terms of hospitality. Okay, so that is a just basic concept of what hospitality is and a foundational biblical picture beyond hospitality, of hospitality. And so now I want to just invite us into three specific ways we can practice hospitality towards one another. And I'm thinking particularly of this time that we're living in. So first way would be probably the way that most of us would think, would be to consider how we can invite people into our homes to share a meal together. And what I love is that our our grace home gatherings are up and running now. And so many of you are meeting in homes and sharing a meal together. And that brings me such joy. And I just want to say thank you, especially to those hosts and those leaders for your hospitality. I know that people have been hungry for this. And so I'm grateful that, that those are happening. I know some of you will still um, be jumping in in a week or so, but um, thank you for that. And beyond those formal gatherings, I just want to say to each of us, how can we be thinking about people that we can be inviting into our homes or maybe our backyards, if that feels better, and sharing a meal in some way with? And right now, there are a lot of people who've been feeling very isolated for three months now. People who feel lonely, and who are sitting with all these confusing set of issues that they're trying to process. And so there's so much. And I think people are hungering for connection and community. And so I just want to encourage all of us to be prayerful and and to be asking the Lord, Lord, who are you putting on our minds right now that we could reach out to? Who, Who might be feeling unseen through this? Or who might just be looking for someone to hang with right now? And how can we you know, invite them into our home and share a meal together. It's a simple but very profound act of love, especially in this time. And I want to consider Jesus for a moment as the ultimate example of this kind of hospitality. Now, Jesus didn't have a home, right? He had a traveling ministry, so he wasn't inviting people to to his home, but he shared his table, his his meals with people. And um, you could do an entire sermon series on the meals of Jesus and what they communicate. But what you, what you discover as you read the Gospels is uh, that Jesus had a very wide and expansive table, that he was willing to 
eat and drink with so many different people. And in the first century, sharing a meal with someone wasn't just about sharing a meal. I mean, first century meals represented fellowship. They represented friendship and acceptance. They represented boundary markers about who was in and who was out. And again, what we see in Jesus is this, he was incredibly hospitable at his table. He, he cast his table wide for so many people and he ate with the religiously respectable, but he also ate and drank with the sinners. He ate with the rich and he ate with the poor. He, he opened his table to just about everybody. One of the greatest and most consistent complaints against him was this man eats with tax collectors and sinners. And I love that because his, his meals were in that, especially in that culture, these concrete expressions of his grace and his generosity and his hospitality for insiders and outsiders, for rich and poor, for righteous and sinners. I mean, that was what he modeled so much in his life. And so I think the question for us is in this time, how can we practice hospitality around our table? Inviting people into our homes, our yards, gathering around the table, sharing fellowship together over a meal. It's a profound and simple act. So second way I think we can be hospitable is to consider how can we be hospitable with our schedules in this time? So not just making space, but actually also considering our time. How can we make room in our schedules for one another? And I thought of that because, you know, over the past three months, so many of our schedules have been completely inter interrupted and, and just disrupted, turned totally upside down. And I think anytime something is so disrupted in your life, it's an opportunity to sit with that thing and say, how can I maybe be holding more loosely to this thing? And so as our schedules start to slowly move back to some semblance of normal, I think it's still worth asking ourselves, you know, God, how, how can I make room in my schedule? How can I hold loosely to my schedule? How can I remain open each day to my schedule being interrupted by people, right? Or disrupted by a need that is presented to me so that I'm, I'm willing to actually make room in my schedule for others. And again, I think, you know, Jesus is the ultimate example of this. One of the more noteworthy aspects of his ministry is just how interruptible he was, right? I mean, if you read the Gospels, it feels like half of his ministry took place during an interruption. I mean, half the stories start with something like, as he was on his way, Jesus has a plan to go from one town to another. And as he's on his way, someone interrupts him, comes to him with some need, and he ministers to the need. Or as he was teaching, you know, some, someone comes down from the tiles or as he's sharing a meal, someone comes in who is unexpected and Jesus ministers to, to the need. His schedule seems entirely interruptible, disruptible, if I can put it that way. And it seems to me that he began each day looking to his father and saying, Lord, this day is your day. Like, I, I want to just be open to whatever you have for me in this day whatever needs that you want to place in front of me. And so he was very hospitable with his time, with his schedule. And so I think for us to follow in the way of Jesus in that, in these coming weeks, as our schedules start to go back to normal, to still start each one of our days 
and say something like, Lord, you know what? Here's some, there's some things I want to get done today. There's some hopes I have uh, and some priorities I have for this day. But ultimately, man, your kingdom come, right? Like your agenda, your, your priorities. I want to be hospitable with my time to others. I want to be interruptible by you and by others to meet whatever needs you're putting in front of me. That, I think, is also a profound act of hospitality. And then finally, and most importantly, it would be just to practice a hospitality within our hearts and minds for one another. A a hospitality that makes room for one another, especially in this moment. And last week we looked at Romans 14 and all these disputable matters, right, that we can have in the Christian life where two Christians can legitimately disagree on something. And right now we are swimming in a sea of disputable matters. And people have strong convictions and strong sensibilities on a host of issues. And yet, I think in the midst of that, and especially in the midst of that, uh, we want to figure out how do we practice hospitality towards one another? How do we make room for one another? Because what the danger is that even within the church right now, because there's different sensibilities on these issues, we can create a sense of like us and them, right? Like there's us who think this way about this issue, and then there's them who think this way about this issue, even within the church. And that is not, I think, what God would have for us. And so even in the midst of different convictions, we have to figure out how can we make room for one another in our hearts and minds. And again, Jesus is is the ultimate example of this kind of heart hospitality. And and I was thinking about his ministry this this week, and you you realize, like, you read the Gospels, it is so clear he had very strong convictions about morality, about how to live life. He was very clear on how human beings are to live life. He did not pull punches. He was so clear. And yet somehow, in the midst of that, he was a guy who sinners really wanted to be with. And like, what, what was that? There was something about him that people felt welcomed by him who didn't feel welcomed by the religious leaders of the day. What was that? There was some kind of heart hospitality. They felt accepted. They felt welcomed. They felt grace from him and hospitality, even though he was very clear about how they were supposed to live their lives. And so for us, I think... The question is, how can we offer that same kind of hospitality to one another in the midst of our different convictions and sensibilities? And to that point, I just want to offer one very practical way to offer that kind of hospitality, that kind of heart hospitality in the midst of this situation, and it's this. Let's practice the simple art of listening to one another. Let's engage one another and make room in a conversation to hear what the other thinks, to hear what the other feels, and to be able to listen without judgment. It seems funny because listening is a pretty simple skill, but in this moment where everybody's shouting and everybody's posting and everybody's talking and there's important things to say in the midst of all of this, the simple act of listening can actually be a profoundly counter-cultural act of hospitality. So I think that's a really simple way to practice heart hospitality is just to engage in the art of listening well. So there you have it. Practice hospitality towards one another without grumbling. The end of all things is near. 
be sober-minded, be self-controlled, pray, love one another deeply, and let's make room for one another. Let's practice hospitality with each other. Amen. It's vital that we never forget that we are broken people, that we are sinful people, and God has brought us into his family. So in light of that, let's sing Broken Vessels together. Bye.
So we hope you've been encouraged this morning, and we invite you now to consider the reflection questions that we'll provide on the screens. And let's just end this time with this benediction. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.